Welcome back, everybody, to episode 13 of This Week in Japan, presented by Ryu Tokyo. Coming to you live from Takanawa, Tokyo, I'm your host, Julian Demansky, and joining me, as always, is my co host and founder of Ryu Tokyo, Yasuharu Matsuno. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to our This Week in Japan. So, before we start talking about some really interesting news today, Tokyo just saw more than 100 new cases yesterday, and people are afraid that the second wave of corona may be coming. But we will all do our best to keep ourselves safe in order to avoid the second lockdown of Tokyo. So today is July 3rd, and in this episode, we're going to be discussing the following big news stories. A shooting star has fallen into Kanto. The election for government of Tokyo is seeing some unique candidates. Employees are facing smell harassment at Japanese companies. A newly announced ride in Japan will put you in the hands of an EVA. And a simple yet effective strategy to prevent umbrella theft. This Thursday, the 2nd of July, around 2.30am, Kanto residents experienced something quite unusual. Eyewitnesses reported a large shooting star streaking across the sky. The sighting was followed by a loud explosive sound that many assumed to be the meteor's impact. One witness reported the meteor was spotted coming from the west, headed eastbound, before a large crashing sound was heard. A landmass as small as Japan's makes documented asteroid impacts virtually unheard of. One of the most famous and destructive impacts in recent history occurred, as many do, over the large landmass of Russia in February 2013. The Chelyabinsk meteor exhibited light brighter than the sun before exploding in the air, sending many small fragments and a large shockwave over the small Russian town for which it gets its name. This time, fortunately, the meteor in Kanto seems to have landed without any collateral damage, except perhaps for shocking fans of the popular anime movie Your Name into thinking the plot of the movie was real. So I guess you saw the, the video of this, uh, this event, Yasu. Because um, I imagine a lot of people didn't see this actual event in, in person. <laughs> right. I wish if I saw it myself, you know, it looks so cool. And yeah, this was definitely the most trending news in Japan yesterday. And the video of the shooting star is getting like hundreds of thousands of likes on Twitter. Mm. You know, because it looks so unreal and beautiful, right? Mm. And hashtags such as like Inseki, which means a meteor. Mm. And uh, hashtag Kaku, which means a fireball, have been trending. I think few people who actually saw this live are lucky because this happened like 2.30 a.m. at night. Mm. And most people, including myself, are asleep. Except um, this man, Kagaya, who shared the beautiful video of the shooting star, seems to be taking pictures of the, the sky mm. and the stars almost every night. Mm. Mm. So I visit his website and he seems like a well-known uh, photographer mm. uh, of the stars and also professional computer graphics designer. Oh, cool. So, you know, it really wasn't luck for him. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he probably had the greatest chance to observe and film the shooting star in Japan anyway. True, yeah, that's, uh, that's a good point. Yeah, I guess the people who are always watching the skies, especially like people like photographers or like, you know, if he's kind of a researcher or he runs a museum. So I don't know, yeah, if perhaps like if NASA or like uh, like JAXA, obviously they monitor meteorites and asteroids that go around the Earth, right? Obviously they don't, they can't see every single one that's up there, but they every time they find a new one, they track its orbit and they know where it's going. Mm. So I'm sure the people like in that field of knowledge would, would have known perhaps that it was it was coming through, but... At the moment, it's a bit too early to tell because for most of us, we just didn't we didn't know, right? Yeah, like uh, I get the impression that 
um, most people, probably including this uh, Mr. You know, Kagaya, didn't know about it because mm. uh, basically the, the size of the meter was too small. Mm. Like it was, uh, it's said to be about like 50 centimeter size. Mm. So they've already given some stats for it. Yeah, yeah oh, they have That's surprising, actually. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to check again today, but I assume because it only happened like yesterday morning. But, right, right. You know, they, they would need to do some calculations and mm, figure out mm, some mm, stuff. Mm, mm, mm. Um, so we, we kind of mentioned this uh, Chelyabinsk event that happened in 2013. Um, so just to kind of put it in context, I guess, until we have some more solid information on this meteorite. Right. So yeah, it landed um, in yeah small town, Chelyabinsk, um, kind of a remote part of Russia. Um, on the 15th of February 2013 but the size of the meteorite um, was 20 meters and basically yeah, indirectly uh, it damaged 7,200 buildings um, there was like collapsed factory roofs shattered windows and from what I can tell nobody was actually fatally injured but there was a uh, 1,491 recorded indirect injuries which is wow. from like falling debris so oh. th this meteorite was big it was 20 mm. meters big so it shattered mm. it still didn't it didn't land i don't think the most mm. of it but it, 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 what, what happens is when they come in to the atmosphere the pressure of the air basically just burns the rock to pieces mm -hmm. but then it breaks up and then it just flies everywhere mm. so like this the one in russia this latest one was um yeah basically it was like indirect damage so it didn't like it's not like the meteor just landed on one building and there was like a crater right but they break up in the air mm. and then it's like shrapnel, which just rains down everywhere. Wow. So that's how, yeah, you end up with over 7,000 buildings damaged wow. um, from this. And thankfully, yeah, no one was, you know, um, fatally injured, but quite a few people mm. were injured indirectly. Yeah, I'm really surprised like how these meteors can be like really destructive. Mm. Because, um, like, I, I just, you know, uh, checked online again just now on Twitter. Mm. And it's almost certain that the size of uh, this meteor uh, that, you know, fell above Kanto mm. uh, were, uh, was less than, like, two feet size yeah, in terms yeah. of, like, diameter. But still, like, uh, people are saying that they felt the, um, the, the shaking of the, the windows mm. when the, the meteor exploded. Yeah, yeah. And they could also hear the big, like, explosive sound as mm. well. It's basically because of the speed, right? Yeah, the speed definitely accounts for a lot. So this uh, Chelyabinsk meteorite, obviously they don't have the exact figure, but they're guessing from around forty to 42,000 miles per hour, mm. which, uh, if you calculate it, which I just did, <laughs> is uh, 11 miles per second. Oh, wow. Like... I mean, how much land is like 11 miles? Trying to imagine that. I mean, yeah, it's you can, incomprehensible. You can yeah. move that Nothing in, is in that a second. fast on Earth. Maybe right? like Goku when he's flying and he goes Super Saiyan. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> or Superman, maybe, yeah. Uh, but yeah, nothing in this real world that we can really... Nothing that you have like a tangible reference to, right? Mm. Um, can travel that fast. Yeah, so I think a few people that actually observed the, the shooting star mm. were in a way quite lucky. But at the same time, like when I think about it, I think they're a bit scared as well because mm. they've seen, they've probably seen nothing like that in their lives. Like even for myself, someone who's quite into this kind of stuff, like, because I wouldn't even be expecting it. So even if of I like, I un not, right? even if I knew what it was, mm. I'd still be terrified. Probably just mm. if you just it just suddenly came and then it because like in the video, I don't think it does it justice because obviously cameras cameras can only take in so much light before like the the sensor just overexposes and turns white. 
but I think your eyes are a bit stronger, right? So like in person, it would have looked oh, yeah, way that's, brighter that's than because on camera. Yeah, yeah. Um, but even on the camera, it, look, it looks crazy. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So talking of unusual events, the election for the next governor of Tokyo is here. This highly prestigious position places the responsibilities of the largest metropolis in the world on one individual's shoulders. Therefore, candidates will use their experienced and impressive backgrounds to persuade the people of Tokyo why voting for them would be the best choice, or so you would think. One unusual candidate in particular would be 37-year-old Teruki Goto. This year will mark his second attempt to run for governor of Tokyo. He first ran back in 2016 and became known for his naked political posters and unique views. During his 2016 campaign run, he paid 3 million yen to give an official speech to the people that was unforgettable. In a 5 minute long rant, he used so much profanity, mainly referring to male and female genitalia, that over 10% of his speech was bleeped out. This time, Teruki is back, but his approach seems to have changed drastically. He now wears a cape in his political posters, cosplaying as Zero from the anime Code Geass, and wishes to change the national slogan to I love you. On his website, he states that he aims to make Japan the strongest, kindest, and most interesting country in the world. Governor candidates are not only the ones that stand out either. One candidate running for the Metropolitan Assembly, Kana Shindo, is using an interesting campaign strategy. Her campaign posters feature her in a scantily clad bikini top, one that is made from two Abe masks that were distributed earlier this year in Japan. Her poster claims that if she were to be elected, her bikini top, aptly nicknamed Abe Bra, will be coming off. The effectiveness of this strategy remains to be seen. So did you see these uh, posters somewhere, Julian? I did, yeah. I mean, uh, actually for uh, Shindo-san, I saw her poster like in a train station somewhere. And I just thought it was like an advert for like a soap land or like <laughs> like a you know massage parlor kind of situation. It's only when like I saw it later on Twitter and I was like, it just kind of, that image was kind of familiar in my mind. Because when I first saw it, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it, if you know what I mean, like in that sense. Mm. Like it just seemed like a regular kind of, you know, half naked lady wearing a bikini, mm. trying to, you know, convince men to go and pay her for whatever kind of services. Mm. But then when I saw it on Twitter, I realized actually what it was. So in the corner of the poster, there's a picture of a Horiomon, the guy who runs the party that she's part of. And then I realized, you know, from all the comments that it was a, a political poster. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I did some research about this uh, Teruki Goto guy uh, last night because I didn't know much about him until recently. And um, I first visited his uh, Twitter account. He, he's got about like uh, 60,000 followers now. Oh, okay. And his like profile is just so funny. So <laughs> I'll, you know, I'll share with you. I'm the savior, creator of the new era and God who'll make Japan the happiest country in the world and, and the Earth the happiest planet in the universe. I'm the revolutionist who'll be the first charismatic president of the world government. I'm forever 17. 
So, like, <laughs> that's, you know, quite, that's quite a statement. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's a lot to digest. There. Yeah. <laughs> very bold, you know, very um, bold to say the least. Let's, let's start with the end. All right. So he's, mm. he's forever 17. Okay. <laughs> Maybe mentally. I can get down with Mental. that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, clearly we, we not, agree on that yeah he's yeah. clearly not he's not 17 but <laughs> mentally i can agree with that um and then he says he's the savior um so like yeah savior creator of the new era oh okay and god oh and yeah that's that's the thing i have the biggest problem with that's like <laughs> that's his like first statement i am god <laughs> but like it's hilarious that if you're god but you still need people to vote for you hmm. would you not just like overrule them with your omnipotence and your never-ending power mm-hmm. you're like, i am god so i am in charge <laughs> <laughs> right right but you know like i actually like contrary to um my first or you know your first impression mm. like i actually think he's smarter than many people would think mm. because um i found an article like he was getting an interview from some like random media sure and he was saying that uh, the the reason why you know his objective for doing all these uh, crazy things is to let many people in Japan who never go to the elections to go and vote, mm. and because you know the low voting rate in Japan is a societal issue, mm. especially amongst the young generation. And I found the statistics that say for people in twenties in Japan, mm. uh, only one out of three people vote. Mm, you know, for, for this kind all, yeah. of like yeah national like elections and stuff he says that he thinks a society that only reflects the opinions of a certain group of people is no ideal mm, mm. yeah 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 so his like primary objective is to get attentions from as many people as possible mm. especially the the people of you know in in young age mm. and you know let them go to the the, the election and vote so yeah, the election results will be announced in two days on Sunday. So I guess on next week's show, we'll um, you know probably talk about some of the candidates that did win, um, and we'll see if any of these uh, these crazy entries uh, actually succeeded. Mm. But having said, I think I know the answer for it. <laughs> Should I say it? <laughs> Koike-san will win. Koike-san. Oh yeah, I think that was obvious. Yeah, yeah, for governor, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I like her. She's cool. I'm, I'm fine with that. She, yeah, overall, I'm she, fine with She gets her, my uh, imaginary vote because I'm not allowed to vote. But <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would vote for her. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she will appreciate it. <laughs> so, on to our third story of the week. Have you ever lost your appetite due to smelling something from your neighbors or the person sitting close by to you? In Japan, lunch is commonly eaten right at one's desk, and desks are usually all closely connected in one large open office space. Cup noodles are a popular desk meal of choice, but some people seem to be at their limit with these sodium-filled noodles. A recent discussion board on a Japanese site has gained popularity in talking about cup noodles and the problems they bring. One user began the discussion with, While I occasionally like to think that the smell of cup noodles is good, the slurping sounds bother me and I am unable to eat. This quickly ballooned into over 160 separate discussions in the post, weighing in on the pros and cons of cup noodles. While many agreed that the sound of slurping noodles by their co-workers ruined their appetite, a large number of people also said that the smell itself stinks and makes it impossible to enjoy a meal. A new possible harassment, since dubbed smell harassment, may soon be under discussion at Japanese workplaces. Smell harassment would include being inconsiderate of your co-workers when choosing what to eat. Some people cited onigiri or bentos as being less smelly alternatives, but setting standards on smell harassment will be difficult as each person's standards are varied. 
One thing that surprises me about this story, Yasu, is the amount of people complaining about slurping, mm. which as a foreigner in Japan, mm. I absolutely hate the sound of slurping, mm. like going into like a ramen or a udon place. Right, right. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm glad to see some Japanese people agreeing with me. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, even to me, I think uh, the slurping part is more understandable. But、uh, I kind of laughed when I saw this news.、Um, <laughs> but yeah, I wasn't certainly, like, I, I wasn't surprised because I really think we, the Japanese, are people that are most sensitive to the smells. Oh, really?、Mm. Like, in a way, like, paranoid about smells. Oh,、way. okay. It's not、mm. like your superhuman smelling ability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like,、uh, you're more cons- always like, concerned or worried about our own smell. Yeah, you're more、stuff. considerate of the. Or, oh, yeah, considerate, but like you're thinking about it, right?、Mm, but may- like, what I mean is like, kind of overthinking、mm, in many、okay. cases.、Mm. I mean, for example,、uh, many people in Japan are worried about the, the bad breath. Mm. Mm. And for example,、um, if you go out and eat with your Japanese friend, And you order some steak, right?、Mm. And the steaks have some garlics on it. And maybe you just like eat them normally, but your friend doesn't want to eat the garlics. And you ask, hey, why, why aren't you eating garlics? And he or she says,、um, oh, I need to go to the office tomorrow. And、mm. you know, I don't want to like harass colleagues with bad breath. <laughs> and then, like, on, on some other occasion, you ask the same question, right?、Mm. And he or she says, Oh, like, I, I'm taking a flight for the business trip tomorrow and I don't want to like harass other passengers. Yeah. And it's like, you know, when are you ever going to eat garlics、mm. in your life? <laughs> Interesting.、Mm. It's, it's great that we think about other people,、uh, but if it's excessive, it's not good either. Yeah, true. The, the Japanese are famous for being considerate of other people, right? I mean, that's, you know, for better and for worse, you know, that's part of your culture. So it's good that people would consider that.、Um, but, you know, to create a whole new type of harassment added on to, I think, was it 52 types of harassment? I forget the exact number, but we talked about this、uh, yes. a long time、yes. ago with power harassment. So、right? this is the, the latest one. Yeah, it's yeah. It's called、uh, Sumehara. That's it. Yeah. Sumi? Sumehara. Sumehara. Yeah. So we、oh, always、smell. make、Sume. it to like four, war,、uh, uh, four letters, right?、Hmm. And、uh, Sume is a short term form、Sumeru. of、uh, smell. Ah,、uh, like Kusahara, like Kusai.、Um, it always needs to be katakana.、Oh, so、okay. it needs to be like、uh, something converted from English. Oh,、uh, okay. To, to... Do you know why that is? It's because foreigners are bad. So, when you talk about bad things, you have to use foreign words. <laughs> I think it's actually opposite in a way because、uh, really? Japanese people think if we use certain like English or English,、uh, English sounding words,、uh-huh. it makes them like sound smarter.、Mm. I would argue that that is cultural appropriation. And I demand that Japanese people stop using my words to represent bad things. Um, I believe in the idea of、um, open innovation.、Right? <laughs> sure, so, sure. you know, for, for these like, Japanese English words,、um, you, you, you guys can use it too if you want. I, you th- can, I you don't can, want you to. You can use sumehara <laughs> and no one understands. <laughs> It's like when、um, like、Kim Kardashian made her brand, like the kimono. 
mm. uh, underwear, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it was like yeah. Kim and oh no. Mm-hmm. But obviously it's spelled kimono, right? Mm-hmm. And then everyone was up in arms. So like you've repurposed the Japanese word. Mm-hmm. So now I'm taking a stand. I demand you don't repurpose our words for negative, <laughs> <laughs> negative purposes. <laughs> I can't even keep a straight face when I'm saying that. But uh, it's it's funny. Yeah. It, it's um it's an interesting um, point. It's again, it's not a thing that's unique to Japan. Um, I've worked in offices in England before, and yeah, there's always one person who brings in like fish, you know, because in England actually it's quite normal to bring like in Tupperware. You'll bring something in and you'll put it in the microwave. It's mm. like a shared um, kitchen or whatever. Yeah. So we don't have like uh, such closely connected desks as in um, Japan, perhaps. But mm. you know, most people bring their own lunch if you work in an office and. Yeah, there's always one person who brings like like fish or like some kind of like garlicky something, and it just makes the whole place stink. Mm. Um, but yes, yeah, maybe we could use smell harassment um, for that situation as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you have a permission from me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm the master of all <laughs> Japanese English words. That's mm-hmm. it. <laughs> <laughs> so on to some entertainment news next. Have you ever dreamed of piloting an Evangelion? Well, this may be as close as you will ever get. Toei Kyoto Studio Park is adding a Neon Genesis Evangelion area this fall. Evangelion Kyoto Base is planned to open on October 3rd of this year, and it will feature the first ever rideable EVA attraction in the world. The attraction includes a 15-meter fall replica of EVA Unit 1 rising from a pool of LCL, which is the unique substance the pilots are submerged in while operating the giant EVAs. Visitors will get a chance to stand in the hand of the EVA and strike a pose or ride inside the entry plug on its back. Pulling a lever in the entry plug will read your synchronization with the EVA. Pictures are allowed at the attraction, so this is the perfect opportunity to top off your Shinji Ikari cosplay. For those too eager to wait until October, there will be a select special opening of the attraction from August 1st until September 27th, where only 120 people will be allowed in per day. Tickets will be going for 1,000 yen per person. So are you an EVA fan? Um, I wouldn't say fan. I've watched like the first episode <laughs> of the oh, anime. Um, but like, I'm very aware of the the kind of the visual style and the characters sure sure um, yeah it's just everywhere yeah Japan. it's everywhere yeah, you've got like, like uh you've got like evangelion like shinkansen mm. i was walking through shinjuku station the other day and like just like there was like a staircase decorated like evangelion i've no idea why it was just like evangelion stairs mm. who knows <laughs> right because i wonder because uh when we were filming a video for youtube this week right mm. i was wearing a uh, purple like uh, nike shoes oh yeah yeah and you mentioned that uh eva shoes right so i i wondered oh ma- maybe you are uh, but yeah it's just that's something it's the color scheme right even as mm. someone who's not a fan i'm just mm. I've, I've just been brainwashed into right, knowing right, what that means right you're like, just yeah. so used to like seeing it right? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, 15 meter replica is no joke, I mm. think. And I, I don't know like how much it costs for them to build, but this only shows how Evangelion is still like one of the most like popular animes today. Mm, definitely, yeah. Mm. I mean, it sounds pretty badass. I, I want to go on it. It sounds cool. Oh, like right, right. Giant robots. What's, mm. what's not to love? <laughs> and the latest movie version was originally scheduled uh, to be released on June 27th this mm. year. Um, so, you know, supposed to be out like 
last week, mm. right? But due to the outbreak of Corona, it's been postponed. Mm. So, you know, many EVA fans are still like anticipating, you know, when it will be released. Sure, sure. Mm. Yeah, so obviously if it was postponed, then I imagine the new date will be nearer to the time of this, this attraction opening, right? Because they, they want to probably sync it up. Right. I, I imagine so. Like, at least that's something they will be aiming for. Yeah, right? that's usually how these kind of things work, isn't it? You know, with big franchises, mm, they'll, mm. they'll have multiple types of media or events happening, you know, all around the same time to mm -hmm. build up build up momentum for the, the launch of a movie or a game or something like that. Mm. You know, during the soft lockdown in Tokyo, uh, the company that produces the, the EVA series uh, shared all the previous movie series for free on YouTube. Oh, nice. Uh, saying that they hope that these uh, movies will help people like spend more time at home mm. and, have, you know, basically have a good time. Yeah, that's nice. That's good. Mm. So I thought that's really like a nice thing to do. Very like considerate in a way. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, it's a it's a pretty good like marketing strategy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. I mean, if you think about it, like it doesn't really cost you anything because you could say like, oh, you're giving away for free, so you're not you're not making the sales. But you know, people who watch things for free, they're not going to buy it anyway. So you're not really losing out much. I think so. And yeah. just just as a kind gesture. You're only going to like reinforce your fan base, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone's going to be like, "Oh, this this studio is super cool," mm. you know, and they they care about their fans. So, yeah, so I think so. I'm not sure like how many views uh, all those like movies on YouTube got like eventually, mm. but only within a few days, I, I saw like three million or four million views oh, wow. for one episode. Oh, okay. Mm. How long are the movies? I think it, it goes for a few hours, maybe like uh, oh, okay. around two hours per episode. For an anime movie, that's quite long, isn't it? It, it is long. Because animation movies, because they take so long to draw as well, they're usually quite short, aren't they? Uh, yeah, that's that's a good point. Maybe it could be shorter, because, mm. uh, but it's quite, how do you say, like intense. Mm. So when you watch it, like you don't really feel that it's it's short, you mm. know? Sure, mm. sure. Yeah, so, um, yeah, this, this ride looks cool. Um, definitely like one in a long line of like, giant robot-based attractions that Japan is quite famous for, right? Mm -hmm. um, the one that just pops into my head uh, is the giant Gundam in Odaiba. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Which you can't go on, you can't ride it, but it does like, there's like a whole light show. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's kind of, it's quite popular, right? There's always crowds in front. Yeah. yeah, I've seen it the multiple times, but it's so well made. Mm. And it's it's worth seeing it, if, especially if you like Gundams. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, maybe we'll go and check out this... Uh, this Eva ride when it opens in October, but so for fans of uh, Evangelion, uh, whenever you can get to Japan next, I'm sure this is going to be top of the list of your itinerary. So on to our final news story of the week. One of Japan's greatest perks is its safety and relatively low levels of crime. However, even in Japan, there is one crime that is all too common, umbrella theft. Most Japanese citizens could attest to being a victim of umbrella theft although no one would probably ever admit to committing the act themselves. The crime itself is often anonymous and relatively harmless, which is perhaps one reason why it is so widespread. However, one man is countering umbrella theft in an equally simple but effective way. A Twitter user by the name of Sora F decided to attach a label onto his umbrella handle, which reads Criminal Psychology Experiment B03. He claims that this label is enough to make people stop and consider the possibility that the umbrella is being monitored in some way, thus dissuading them from wanting to take it. 
The user elaborated by saying that sticking more obvious labels such as GPS tracker or under surveillance on an umbrella is more likely to be laughed off as a joke. Criminal psychology experiment B03 provides no information on what the purpose of this experiment is, who the test subjects are, or how it is being monitored. On top of that, if the label were to be recognized in public by someone involved in the said experiment, the thief would have no reasonable excuse for carrying an umbrella with such a unique label. This story is incredibly topical for me, Yasu, and I'm feeling a bit traumatized right now because two, <laughs> two days ago, my umbrella was stolen. Oh, really? From outside my door my apartment what kind of uh, umbrella was it it was really fancy it was really a good umbrella oh my God. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't that it wasn't that fancy but it, it wasn't one of those cheap like plastic family oh, umbrellas. but uh you know like you get home right and you shake the umbrella off but you don't want to put it in the game can because mm. it's gonna it's gonna it's all wet and it's gonna smell like you know sure damp horrible right so i just hung it on my door handle and i live like in a kind of apartment complex so there's I doubt anyone from outside would have stolen it. So it was definitely one of my neighbors mm. because all the doors around me could see the umbrella. But anyone along kind of alleyway mm. to get, I'm right at the end. So they'd have to come all the way down to get that umbrella. Mm. So yeah, I've got some detective work to do. Have you ever been the victim of an umbrella theft? I think so. But, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I just don't like recall like all the cases. Mm. Mm, but yeah, to to give you a context, as you mentioned, like uh, umbrella theft is very common in Japan. But usually, especially for the ones called uh, binirugasa, which is a plastic umbrella that you can buy in a any convenience mm. or convenience store in Japan for maybe like five hundred, like six hundred mm. yen. So I'm a bit surprised, like uh, your umbrella that costs uh, a lot more right I and can't remember how much it, it wasn't a cheap one yeah yeah and in your like apartment like mm. area was stolen yeah that kind of that kind of bummed me out because I have a theory that one reason that many people steal umbrellas in Japan is that uh, because they're like so cheap and it's like uh, unrecognizable mm. uh, because they, they all look the same right mm. for the disposable uh, binirugasa yeah. you know plastic umbrellas Stealing those non-plastic uh, umbrellas, uh, such as yours, mm. is a different level. I think so, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with your theory, actually. But I, I had a kind of a similar but slightly different thought that mm. it's almost like, you know, you have this very, like, collectivist kind of thinking in Japan, right? Everyone's in it for the team. So everybody, you know, what we were talking about earlier, everyone's very considerate about smells and noises and this kind of stuff, right? So with umbrellas, it's not so much that you'll consider about taking someone's umbrella, but maybe it's almost like um, there's like one just collective pool of umbrellas mm -hmm. and you just take one mm -hmm. and then you put it back somewhere else. And it's almost like those rental bikes that you get like around big cities. Right, 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 right. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense too. Um, because I, I did some research on Google mm. and I typed like a, a keyword kasa, which means umbrella mm. and Nusumareru, which is uh, which means stolen. Oh, okay. Right? And uh, you know, I I I found like a millions of search mm. results, uh. and there was one guy who was saying something like, you know, I've had my like umbrella stolen so many times that like I can like use some other people's like uh, umbrellas. Oh, it, it's, yeah, it's, they feel it's, just yeah. Yeah, it's almost like a like thief like theory. Yeah, yeah. But like uh, it sounded to me like he is saying it like quite seriously. <laughs> mm. I think that's how most people justify crimes though, right? 
Mm, but it, yeah, yeah. But it, like, it's somewhat like connected to what you just mm. mentioned. Like, it's like a you know umbrella pool theory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> umbrella pool theory. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Professor, I could, but, I could write a dissertation yeah, about that. Right, right. From <laughs> Professor Julian. <laughs> but it makes yeah. sense, you know, because especially yeah, with these cheap umbrellas, right? When you say like on a particularly rainy day, like when everybody's got an umbrella. You run into like somewhere like Family Mart, you put your umbrella in the stand outside and usually like there's no space, right? It's completely mm, full. Mm. So when you come back outside, you're just like, oh crap, like which one's mine? Like they all mm. look exactly the mm. same. Mm. So you just kind of, you try your best to find the right one, right? But you might just kind of miss. And then maybe like you get the wrong one, right? So mm. the person who owns the umbrella that you took, maybe they knew exactly which one they had. So then they're like, oh, someone's taken my umbrella. Mm. So then they have to take a different one, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's just like a snowball effect. It just right, kind of rolls right, up. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Yeah, because they're not they're not going to be like oh well someone took my umbrella so I'm going to leave without an umbrella mm. they'll just be like well I'll take somebody else's umbrella right right it's not you know it's it's a bit different to like you know if you realised your car was stolen you wouldn't just be like oh I'm going to steal someone else's car <laughs> <laughs> like Grand Theft Auto right, right. yeah <laughs> I think it's it, it is like a very harmless crime mm. in, in a way you know it, it's technically a crime but it's nothing that I would consider like you know throw that person in jail. Mm. I'd like people to stop stealing umbrellas, but mm. at the end of the day, it's like, it's very harmless. Yeah, mm. Mm. yeah I'm really impressed by your umbrella pool theory. Mm. <laughs> Maybe you can issue a very, like, thin book about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not the thick one. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you, want to, uh, if you want to nominate me for a Nobel Prize, then that's also welcome. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that wraps it up for all the news stories this episode. Now let's jump into our final segment of the show, Word of the Week. Okay, so today I'm going to introduce you a couple of interesting wasei-eigo or Japanese-English words. As always, wasei-eigo is a Japanese-language expression based on English words that do not exist in standard English. The word of the week is OB or OG. Um, I give you a hint because uh, okay, it's, yeah, it's simply I don't have a, impossible so, to guess. Like um, a, yeah, it's, it's, it's simply impossible to guess with these abbreviations, right? Mm. Mm. So OB stands for old boy. Okay. And OG stands for old girl. Okay. Now, can you guess? Uh, when I think of old boy, I just think of the movie, old boy. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was that the an anime movie? No, it was like a live action. Oh. You never seen Old Boy? Oh, sorry. Oh man, you're missing out. <laughs> I'm ashamed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was a uh, yeah. So yeah, Old Boy's like a Korean movie. It's kind of like um, I don't know. It's not like any other movie I've ever seen. But it, I'd imagine like imagine if Quentin Tarantino mm. was Korean. That's mm. kind of the vibe that I get. Mm-hmm. From there. It's, it's really cool. You should check it out. But anyway, that's when you say Old Boy. That's what I think of. Um, Old girl, I'm not really sure. But when you said it originally, you said OG. So I'm thinking like, you know, like original gangster. <laughs> like OG. I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm just going to go with the obvious answer for this one. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to say someone like in charge, you know, like, you know, the original old guy, mm-hmm. old girl, whatever. Someone who is like, is respected in their community or their group mm-hmm. for a certain reason. Yeah, somehow, like, your final, like, answers got, like, a bit closer to the, oh, yeah. the true <laughs> answers. And, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a very tough one, but um, old boy means an alumni. 
Oh, okay, and yeah. Old girl, simply a female version of it. Oh, uh, mm. okay. What do you call like alumn alumni? Alumni, yeah. Alumni. Yeah, I don't. Alumni, we don't really use it in like alumni. British English. Mm. And we 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 you know we have the word alumni, but it mm. sounds quite American when I hear that. I think like uh, I heard some people using like alumni for even for mm. uh, females. Yeah, I think so. It's just like a person who has graduated. Right, 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 right. But anyway, um, yeah, we use like uh, OB for mm. uh, male alumni yeah. and OG for female alumni. Mm. Mm. So like uh, you, you mentioned like uh, like some respected figure in the in the community or something, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not too far from, yeah, from yeah. The, the right answer. Well, mm. I think, yeah, if you know that it's old boy, old girl, that's way more obvious. But mm. like OB, mm. OG... Yeah, you know, because I, I mean, you know that like OG means like original gangster. Did you know that? Like yeah. in in like American English, I have um, nothing to do with gangster. So, <laughs> really? Uh, <laughs> I thought you were from Compton. <laughs> well, I'm Yakuza. So yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's like when someone says. I mean, I'm way too white to say this. So like, if I say something's OG, it sounds ridiculous. Huh. But like. I mean, it sounds ridiculous if you say it in a British accent as well. It's quite an American slang. Oh, okay. But OG, you hear it a lot in, in like movies, like in movies from like the nineties. I don't think people really say it anymore. Mm. But that's what it meant, like original gangster, someone who's like you know, mm. the first of their kind. You know? Right. But you know, trust me, like n- no one knows about it in mm. Japan. Uh, they only know OG for old girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you're a particular kind of hard-hitting gangster and you come to Japan, don't tell people that you're OG. <laughs> <laughs> then people will be confused. Yeah, they'll think you're yeah. like a, an old you female right? alumni. Female? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I used to work for um, a company called Mitsubishi. Mm. Mm, so I can say like uh, I'm an OB of uh, Mitsubishi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, e- Even though I'm maybe still too young to claim an OB for a certain company mm. Mm, because usually they start like calling them OBs for a certain company mm. after they get retired yeah yeah oh okay yeah and I, I'm still like um you know quite a, while, and, quite a while yeah, <laughs> yeah. quite a while away from that yeah <laughs> yeah but uh yeah right I mean it can be used for uh, almost like any kind of uh, community yeah uh, including like schools and companies mm, interesting Okay, so that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Whichever podcast platform you're listening on, make sure that you're subscribed for a new episode every single week. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. If you have any questions or comments, send us a message on Twitter at Tokyo News. We're also releasing videos every week on YouTube, so find us there. So stay healthy, stay safe, everybody. And uh, yeah, let us know on Twitter uh, if you are an OB or an OG of a university or company. It'd be interesting to hear some of your answers. So be sure to check back next week for the very next episode of This Week in Japan. Mm-hmm.